Well, hello, and thanks once again for joining us here on India on 99.94. I'm your host, Nikesh Raghani, journalist, broadcaster and commentator based in the UK, but uh, with a very keen eye on all things Indian cricket as always. And uh, my co-host, Sarah Waris of Wisdom. Sarah, how are you this week? I'm good. We ended our last episode talking about the women's team and how they crumble under pressure. And we start our new episode talking about the same issue again. Absolutely. Yes, it's it's a bit of a running theme, isn't it? Um, especially against Australia. We thought, I mean, certainly me and some discussions uh, with fellow journalists and colleagues, you know, we, we thought India may have just turned a corner in that semi-final victory over England. Uh, England, of course, the host nation at the Commonwealth Games this time around. Very strong side. It's, it's usually England or Australia competing for these uh, big prizes in women's cricket. And India managed to get over the hurdle in that semi-final. Let, let's just talk a little bit about that one to start with. I mean, given the situation, given how close the game was, yes, it, it looked a little bit closer on paper, didn't it? The the four-run margin, but that's, you know, the six-hit off uh, the last ball of the innings to to make that look a little bit closer than it was. But in the end, it was fairly comfortable going into that final over from an Indian point of view uh, with the 11 runs left to defend. Um, but it was it was still a tight match. There was still lots of pressure. It was against the home nation. There was lots of home support in at Edgbaston in amongst all the great Indian support that we've seen as well. Were you surprised that India were able to hold their nerve with the ball because we, we've seen them even with the ball, we talk about the famous Indian collapse, but even with the ball, when they've got runs to defend and you're playing against one of the stronger nations like your Australia's, your England's, that's when it's chaos in the field, isn't it, for a start? I mean, you know, let, let's be fair, the Indian side, apart from two or three of the girls on show, they're not the best fielding side by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, the standards are, are you know, slowly been improving but still they're they're not up there with Australia with England uh, even the West Indies in terms of their fielding skills Uh, so that usually falls to bits first and then the bowlers don't quite hold their nerve were you pleasantly surprised by that in the semi-final yeah the semi-final win gave us hope that you know this could be the first global tournament that India wins they held their nerves even though England were at a stronger position at the halfway stage, you would say. Uh, But it was such a nice surprise to see that India can do it. it. It's rare, but they have the ability to do that. But as we spoke about in the last episode, you know, being in that situation again and again will probably help them to uh, manage their nerves better. they have the talent, they can play well under pressure, but it's just all about, you know, doing that consistently over a longer period. In terms of the final itself, it was in Birmingham. It might as well have been at the Braybourne rather than Birmingham. <laughs> Such was the atmosphere. And, and that's what you expect when you see India playing in England and, and anywhere around the world, really. But particularly when they're not playing against the home nation, the host nation, which in this case was England, very little support for the Australians. Uh, it's a long way, of course, and uh, you know there's there's not that much of a cricket-loving Australian community 
in the UK, whereas we know there's there's tons and tons of Indians uh, we get everywhere around the world. Uh, we support cricket whenever we can, and uh, it was it was the case once again in Birmingham on Sunday. The atmosphere, first of all, was fantastic. So that that would have perhaps eased a few of the nerves in the Indian camp. You feel going into the game, uh, but once you get under the way, once you cross that white line, it's it's all about you and the opposition. And just first and foremost, a word on the Australians going into the final as well. I mean, this Australian side is is one of the greatest cricket sides that there has ever been across men's and women's cricket, hasn't there? You know, there's they've World Cup winners, T20 World Cup winners, now Commonwealth Games winners, of course, as well. But even before yesterday's final, as we as we record here today, yeah, 24 hours ago, the final taking place, they are some side, aren't they? And that's why from an, I would like to talk from an Indian point of view, that's why it's so encouraging to see the, this Indian team with all their flaws and their uh, squad uh, deficiencies, so to say, running Australia close game after game. They are possibly the greatest side across men's and women's cricket. But this Indian team... You know, from an Indian point of view, that's what you want to see. You want to see the Indian team fight and put on a fight against the very best, which they have done. So, yeah, yes, this Australian team is the greatest, but the Indian team and the constant uh, fight against this this side has been very encouraging. In terms of the match then, Australia batting first, 161 for eight. Competitive score, you know, you look you look at men's and women's cricket and, and the scores are a little bit different in terms of average scores and, and scores that teams are comfortable setting and, and chasing down in the second innings as well. 161, to put it into context uh, for those who, who may not follow as much women's cricket as they do, IPL and things like that, 161 in a final as well. I mean, even in a men's final, 161 is competitive because it hits the pressure of the situation and everything like that. You've got runs on the board and now it's up to the other side. Yeah, it might look like a mediocre target even in men's cricket, but it's a competitive total. In this, they they would have felt pretty comfortable, the Australians, not, not like the game was won, but given their record against India, against everybody in recent times as well, their bowling attack, their fielding skills as well, they, they would have felt comfortable with that, you think, right? Yeah, anything around 150 would have been... Par, Australia would have been happy with that. 160, a lot, many people felt that uh, at the halfway stage, they could have easily scored 170, 180. Uh, but even 180 was not a very uh, easy score for India. And uh, yeah, they would have been the happier team walking into the pavilion at the halfway stage. Tell you one thing though, I was um, I was working in Cardiff yesterday at Sophia Gardens. I was covering my first hundred game uh, for the BBC this season, uh, Welsh Fire against the Oval Invincibles, and I couldn't watch uh, the women's Commonwealth final. I had to I had a three hour drive back home from Cardiff, so I was listening to BBC Test Match Special and uh, commentary team did a fantastic job as always. And uh, Snell Pradhan, former. Indian cricketer, of course, was part of the team. And, and she said at the halfway stage, interestingly, that even before the halfway stage, she said, look, 160, if India were batting first, they would be aiming for something around 160 and they might feel comfortable with that. And the fact they weren't batting first, they had to bat second. But still, the the, the aim is the same, right? The intent has to be the yeah. same. Up front, you've got to do well in the power play. 160 
odd should be your target. And that's what it was, 162 for victory to try and win that gold medal. So she was quietly confident as a, as a former player, as somebody who follows the women's game uh, more than I think anybody else that I know on the planet. She seemed to be pulling out stats uh, out of her ears at one stage. You know, she 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 knows a lot about the game. And, and she was saying, look, Australia obviously will be the happier of the two sides at the halfway stage. The runs are on the board. They've got a fantastic bowling lineup. But, you know, the way India have attacked the power play throughout the Commonwealth Games, and that was a theme, wasn't it? The only side to score more than 50 during a power play in the whole tournament and, you know, Shafali Verma is usually the one that people look at as the sort of, you know, the attacking stroke player, you know, the, the fearlessness of youth and all that. But it's actually been Smriti Mandana, hasn't it, mm. who's been the aggressor. And uh, Shafali has been at the other end and, and she has played some decent innings as well. But it, it's really been about Smriti, the, the aggressor. And to lose those two early on, that almost yeah. felt like a killer blow there and then. Yeah. So India... So to say, they have four specialist batters and losing both of them very early on was a huge blow, especially the kind of form Mandana was in. Um, And it just took the momentum away, I'd say, early on. Shafali, Mandana played, you can say, not the best of shots. Shafali struggled at the other end. Gemma and Harmanpreet had the nice partnership in the middle and India hoped that they could get over the line but then it's a recurring issue that it's just the top four so if a Mandana doesn't do well you can almost be certain that India is going to struggle or if a Shufali Verma doesn't do well you know the pressure will be on the middle order uh, which is what happened again so the two openers have done their job throughout the competition, but yesterday uh, the middle order had to stand up, which was not the case, uh, except Harman Preet and Jemima. Uh, so, which is a recurring issue in the Indian women's team of late. And yeah, that should be one of the points which they have to work on going forward. Yeah, and let, let's talk about Jemima Rodriguez and uh, Harman Preet Kaur as well. That That partnership was crucial. And at the height of that partnership, once they got going, and, and particularly yeah. Harman Preet playing those shots, as we know she can. I mean, look, that 171 not out from the 2017 World Cup in England, uh, that semi-final against Australia, that kind of follows her around everywhere she goes. And yeah. there's huge pressure associated with that. People just expect that time and time again. And that, that was probably the greatest innings in women's ODI cricket history, um, arguably anyway. I've not seen all of the great innings, but it was right up there, the pressure of the situation, the side she was up against. And she can't do that every time. And, and that's not necessarily even the game that she has played throughout her career. Yes, she's capable of it on occasion and she can hit the big shots, but she's not just a blaster. She's not a Shafali Verma who just comes out and just tries to smash everything to the boundary. She's more intelligent than that. She's more composed than that. And it was a real captain's knock. And... Um, it was such a shame, I suppose, the timing of the wicket. Just had a wicket at the other end, and then Harman Preet back on strike, batters crossed, and then she's dismissed off the very next ball as well. And and that was pretty much game over, because 65 from 43 uh, that she made, they needed, what, 44 or 34 at one stage. Yeah. Even after she'd been dismissed, to be honest, they, they did a decent enough job of, of keeping it close enough, the middle-order batters, but wickets kept falling, 
And at the end, it's it's too much pressure on on those batters who, as you say, they're not specialist batters, are they? They're, yeah. I've, I'm reluctant to use the term bits and pieces, but but they're all round cricketers who can do a bit of you know they're probably more bowlers than than batters. The likes of Diti Sharma, who, who played valiantly yesterday, yeah. but it was it was too much for her. And there's there's just not enough depth in that middle order, is there? Yeah, so after the loss, Harman Preet did say that uh, she would like an extra batter in the team, which kind of sums up uh, Indian women's team off late. It's just a very top-heavy side. So I was just looking at some stats. In T20Is in the last two years, the top order, uh, the top four averages close to 30, while numbers 5 to 7 have an average of... um, 15 uh, with a strike rate of 106. So it's almost like even if the top order is getting you runs, you cannot expect the middle order to, uh, to, you know, go ahead and get a competitive score. Someone from the top order has to bat through uh, if India wants to put up a competitive score, which I think is too much pressure on them. Uh, so I think there are lots of things for the Indian team to work on going forward. Uh, last episode, we spoke about the mental pressure. Uh, it is that, but then there are so many more things. It's the selections. It's not having, as you said, bits and pieces, cricketers from numbers, Five, six, seven, and Let's even be the careful. Wicked... We, we know that Sanjay yeah. and Drake got in trouble with uh, Ravi Jadeja for, for using the term yeah. bits and pieces. But it, the, the point we're trying to make is they 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 bat a bit, yeah. but they're not front line, are they? Yeah, yeah. And uh, even with the wicket keeper, so uh, India, I think India, one of the very rare teams who has a specialist wicketkeeper in the side. I know it's very unfortunate, but after Tanya Bhatia was concussed yesterday, a few people on Twitter were like, okay, now Yastika Bhatia comes in and at least India has an extra batter now, which just shows the state of, uh, you know, the 11 because they have four specialist bat- batters and then they have one wicketkeeper who has who does not have the greatest T20 I record and even expecting her to score 20 and 15 might be a tall task which just shows how uh, they are struggling in that department as well so the, they have, with, with the Astika yeah. that that was an interesting one as well because she was a direct substitute so you know luckily she she keeps wicket as well because you have to have your reserve wicketkeeper coming in for yeah. your wicketkeeper if it is your wicketkeeper who's concussed um, but the problem with that is that Dania Bhatia comes into bat at number nine. Yeah. So that means Yastika can't come in until number nine because there are a few surprises that why is Dipti Sharma coming in? You know, she's she's a runner ball kind of player. You know, she can't really do any more than that. Not that Yastika is a massive hitter, but she's got more capability, you feel. And then after Dipti Sharma, it was Snerana, Radha Yadav, and, and still no sign of Yastika. But the rule is that you're a direct replacement. So as the the batting scorecard would be, that is when the the substitute can come in, which I feel is a little bit unfair in a way because, you know, in certain situations, batting lineups change all the time, don't they, in T20 cricket and and in, you know, any short form cricket, even ODI cricket as well. Um, So I feel that's a little bit unfair. But yeah, Yastika just left with 
too much to do at the end. I mean, she, she, I don't think, faced a ball until the end of the penultimate over or maybe even into the final over. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a strange one, that. And we, we've seen she it on a few the occasions. Single. Sorry, she turned down the single yes. in the first ball of the last over. And then took one. In fact, took on the two, but then the run out just run so she out. could get back yeah. on strike. And then there was confusion as to whether they crossed, and, and it was all going. It was it was typical Indian chaos in these uh, pressure situations, as we've been talking about uh, previously. Um, but with Tanya Bhatia, I mean, this this is not the first time it's happened, has it? Happened in the T uh, Twenty World Cup final against Australia as well, where she was subbed out for concussion, and Gosh came in and yeah. who's who's the better batter and. A few eyebrows have been raised, but you know we, we take it as it is, and uh, you know you you're allowed to substitute if you are concussed, and, and those are the rules. So uh, you know no, no rules were broken, but uh, yeah, India making 152 all out in the end from 118 for two early on in the 15th over to then lose 34 uh, lose eight wickets for just 34 runs, and uh, I mean even among famous Indian batting collapses, like you mentioned earlier, um, famous batting collapses of all time, really. That, that is right up there, 34 for eight in less than five yeah. overs. You're not going to win many games like that. It, it just brought back very unfortunate memories of the 2017 World Cup against England, where India were in a great position and then they had the famous collapse and then they lost by nine runs, which was the margin yesterday as well. So it's a, it almost makes you feel that a lot has changed in five years. India have done very well. They've reached three finals of five events, one semi-final. But has anything changed? It makes you wonder. It's the same mistakes are being repeated. There are tactical blunders. There are selection questions uh, you don't have anyone to uh, tell you why Shikha Pandey for example is not playing or uh, so it's almost like so much has changed but has anything changed so it's just um, yeah let's talk about the top then in terms of the, the people in charge I mean just to take it back a little bit as well I mean I know this is not the history channel but Mithali Raj was in the crowd and uh, you talked about needing somebody to bat through an innings. Do you think, did you now sort of have some sympathy for the way uh, she was batting late on in her career, just knowing that there's not enough depth in the batting? Someone's got to stick around, haven't they? And she was taking on that role, and yeah, reactions slow down, your game slows down a bit, a little bit with age, whoever you are. Um, but somebody so great still churning out runs towards the end of her career. It's just the strike rate that, you know, mm. large groups of fans were, were complaining about towards the end there. But just given this situation, look, she's out of the side. And all of a sudden, you, we're talking about four specialist batters only in a T20 side. I mean, usually, you know, these teams around the world, whether you're male, female, you need at least seven batters, don't you? If not more. So look do you have any sympathy team, for somebody have... like uh, Mitali? We would have loved to have, or like, once you're on the losing side, you look at hindsight and then you wonder, yeah, this could have been, that could have been. But then it's about the way forward. And not even, going, sorry, I'm not saying would you like to have her in the team for the yeah. Commonwealth Games final. That That's done and dusted. But just, you know, she got a lot of stick for the way her yeah. career ended, the way she was batting. But 
she kind of needed to play that role, didn't she? I mean, maybe she could have come in a yeah. little bit earlier and batted either opened or come in at number three and then looked to bat through the innings. But yeah. in any case, whenever she came in in ODIs or T20s, she was looking over her shoulder thinking, there's no one else to come. What do I yeah. do? Do I, if, if I play my shots and get out now, I'm going to get stick. We're probably going to lose. If, if I play slowly, I'm going to get stick. But, yeah. you know, I've got to try and bat out this innings. We don't want to be all out. So any sympathy in terms of the way her career ended and the way she was batting? I mean, she, she had no real choice, did she? In yeah, the way she went I, about things? I agree with that. There was a tweet which got a lot of flag. Mithali Raj is the best thing to happen to Indian cricket and the worst thing to happen to Indian cricket. So uh, at one point, you say a strike rate in the... 110s, 120s in T20Is, not that great, but what wouldn't have India done to have that yesterday? Uh, yeah, she almost played a thankless kind of a job for so many years, even before 2000, in the early 2000s, when not many were even watching the women's games. And even recently, you'd say there is Harmantri, there is Smriti, but you can possibly argue that they played that way, they succeeded playing the way they did because they had the security of Mithali in the team. You knew that, you know, you could go after your shots because you were almost certain she could play till the 45th, 50th over in ODIs or even in T20Is, either a whole one innings up, uh, which India have been lacking off late. So, yeah, she played a very thankless role, got a lot of flag, uh, but what wouldn't have India done to have someone like her in the side yesterday. And we've talked a lot about women's IPL and we did that in the previous episode as well. We, I don't think we need to touch on that. Look, we need a women's IPL. That's the bottom line. Everyone is calling for it. It's only the BCCI which needs to pull its finger out and make it happen. And hopefully that will be the case in 2023. There was a very, you know, sorry, there was a very what? ironical tweet by Saurav Gangli yesterday. Uh, something which said, oh, disappointed, or along those lines. I can't really remember it. Just let me see. Uh, there was which, also, you know, while you get that up as well, there was, uh, I mean, a lot of the former Indian men's cricketers were sort of saying, you know, look, we're proud of the team and, and all those kind of things. Uh, there, there was one, though, Mohammed Azharuddin, who just absolutely yeah. slated them, just said rubbish batting from from the Indian team and, what a way to throw away a winning position, something along yeah. those lines. And look, that's that's not what we need at this stage. Yeah, you've got to call exactly. a spade a spade and you've got to be critical of the women's game as well. You can't just sugarcoat everything. If Even if you are a former men's cricketer and, and you're kind of seen to be maybe trying to over-promote the women's game just to do the right thing, you know, you just call it as it is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, look, this Australian side is is one of the greatest of all time, like we say, across all cricket. And you've just got to take your hat off to them at the end of the day. Yes, India didn't play well under pressure, but like we say, you look to the future and, and how can you improve? What do you do next time? And, and that's what partly what we're here to talk about on the podcast uh, as well, isn't it? Yep. I just feel it's it's about ironing out the small flaws. There were a lot of positives while we've spoken about all the areas where India lacked. Uh, there are a lot of positives. Their fielding yesterday was brilliant. Like, India is one of the weakest fielding sides in the women's game. 
their fielding yesterday, that catch of by Dipti Sharma, that run out by Radha Yadav, who also took a blinder. Uh, so the fielding was so good. It's like, if you can feel that, that way, then why don't you do that in every game? Uh, they played spin well throughout the tournament. The form of Spriti Mandana, Harman Preet, you know, taking over the captaincy. It just... Renuka Singh... Was, the yeah, Renuka well. Singh, obviously. With Harman Preet, I'd also like to add, she kind, obviously, it's not a comparison between the women's game and the men's. She kind of gives Virat Kohli vibes. She's animated on the field. She, She's uh, asking her teammates to go and sledge. Like, there was a very nice anecdote by Veda Krishnamurti on one of the pre shows. She was like, Harman Preet asks her to go and sledge the Australian and England batters. Uh, so it was a very humorous take on because Harman, uh, Veda is one who knows English. Not many do know. So she is always in the forefront and Harman Preet is like, go sledge them. So she always gives kind of uh, Virat Kohli vibes. And it's just nice to see, you know, women's players so animated and so eager to do well. Uh it will attract crowds like Virat Kohli's animated passion. It got in crowds to the test cricket and you almost think that Harman Preet being so fired up will get in more crowds and kind of like she'll become the face of women's cricket in the next few years as captain. She will uh, bring in more crowds. Obviously, there's Mandana, but you know, as a captain, she has a bigger role to play. So it's very encouraging signs and uh, yeah, as a captain, Harman Preet has just uh, been leading from the front and it's so like nice to see and hopefully a finals win is around the corner for them. So she clearly, a lot of people, you included, uh, feel that, that she is the the one to lead this India team forward into the, into the new area of uh, women's cricket over there. What about the coach, Ramesh Bauer? Is is he the right man? He's, he's had a couple of stints in charge of the team. He fell out with Mithali Raj famously mm-hmm. a few years back as well, came back in. They seem to like him at the BCCI. They, you know, former former test cricketer, played a couple of tests, played 30-odd ODIs for, for India as well. So, you know, he's been in and around international cricket very successful on the domestic circuit for a number of years for for Mumbai and a couple of other teams uh, towards the end of his career as well, has played IPL. So he's, he's been there and done it all as a player. From what you've seen of him as a coach uh, in terms of his man management or, or woman management, I should say, apologies, what what do you feel are his best qualities? Uh, what are, What's not so good about Ramesh Bauer? Is he the man to take this side forward? There have been a lot of yeah criticism of Ramesh Pawar. Uh, there are there have been so many selection uh, questions in the past. Like Gemma Rodriguez, arguably like one of the most talented players from India, was not picked in the World Cup squad earlier this year. The handling of Shikha Pandey. India didn't play Snehrana, who was who had a wonderful World Cup in the first match against Australia. So all these selection debates obviously come down to Ramesh Pawar as well. And it just makes you, as you said, wonder if he is the right person for the job. Personally, 
I would want someone else to take over. I don't really have a reason why, but from what I've seen of him, he's just, you know, like that Ravi Shastri vibes, just go for it, that kind of a fighting spirit, so to say. So I think someone more, uh, someone who can cheer on the girls more, like Ravi Shastri, I think that's what the Indian team needs right now, rather than a calm and composed Ramesh Pawar, who, like, that's what it seems he is, a very calm and that sort of a persona. But I think Indian cricket needs someone like Ravi Shastri to helm the uh, women's team right now. Uh, because, you know, they, they are lacking in belief. And I don't think Ramesh Pawar is doing such a good job of it right now. Yeah, well, you could argue that the the Indian men's test team might still need somebody like a, a Ravi Shastri. They're, they're doing all right in the in the white ball stuff, but yeah, um, yeah it's just that um, I suppose it's the relationship between the captain and the coach which is so crucial as well. And uh, you know, Harman Preet Kaur does that connection work well? Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they move forward uh, in terms of the coach. Do they bring in a foreign coach, uh, somebody maybe from Australia who's seen firsthand yeah. what they have done at domestic level in Australia to, to produce all these hardened cricketers to come out at the top level and perform so well? Maybe somebody from England uh, you know, who've done similar things themselves. Uh, do they get a male? Do they get a female? Maybe a former female international cricketer who's captain decide. It's interesting to see which route they go down uh, in terms of their next coach. Ramesh Bar is still the coach for the foreseeable future, of course, um, but we'll wait and see if any decisions are, are made on that in the coming weeks, months, uh, into next year as well. Um, I mean, they've got a lot of money, the BCCI, haven't they? So they, they could go out and throw money at the best coaches in the world, whether it be you know somebody who's currently coaching in men's cricket and say, look, we want you to come over, here's, here's a few million couple of years contract, uh, you know, taking a couple of World Cups uh, or whatever it might be, and and we'll see how it goes from there. So the resources are there. We'll see how it plays out. Is uh, the BCCI interested? That is the question. That's the big question, isn't it? (laughs) Are they interested? Will it make a difference if they do have an IPL next year, a women's IPL? Is that going to make a difference? You know, because there'll be a lot of high-profile coaches coming over, doing well with uh, those franchises, which we hope to see. And uh, will that then put them in the shop window and the BCCI all of a sudden wakes up and thinks, oh, hang on, so-and-so is a a pretty good coach. Let's get them in um, to coach the national side. We'll we'll wait and see how things go. But uh, at the end of the day, look, it's a silver medal for India, another Mm -hmm. silver medal across all sports. They've had a fantastic Commonwealth Games, fourth in the medals table, 22 golds. Couldn't add a 23rd with the cricket, wasn't to be. Uh, but the Australians uh, finished top of the table across all sports. Uh, a gold for them in the cricket. And a bronze for New Zealand as well, uh, winning that bronze medal match against the home side England in in some style as well. Absolutely hammering England, who looked deflated after their defeat to India. So, um, look, all in all, it's been great to see cricket at the Commonwealth Games uh, in Birmingham, as I'm sure you'd agree, Sarah. But uh, that's all we've got time for on this week's episode. Uh, Hope you've enjoyed the Commonwealth Games. Hope you've enjoyed India's performance up until the final. And uh, hopefully 
we see plenty more of uh, everyone involved in that squad and plenty more from the Indian women's team uh, in finals, in big matches, uh, and hopefully next time they're able to just get across the line. We'll be back soon with another episode, but uh, thank you for listening to India on 99.94. Well, thanks for listening to India on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from where you get your apps usually, and you can follow us personally. I'm uh, at Nikesh Raghani on Twitter and on Instagram, and Sarah is at swaris16 on Twitter, where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!